Hello, dear friends, and welcome to the Great Day Podcast. I'm your friend and host, Mayor Kay, and today I am excited to be hosting the one and only Moshe Gersht, the author of the bestseller, It's All the Same to Me, an incredible, beautiful read. I've gained so much from this book, and I'm really excited to have him on the podcast where we discuss a whole range of topics. We touch on his incredible, inspiring story from being part of a rock band out in L.A. to being teaching spiritual concepts and principles in Jerusalem and Yerushalayim, and the journey from there to here and to being here, yes, being present, tools, gifts, and how we can go ahead and live a more present life that leads to prosperity, serenity, and peace. It's an incredible conversation. I really enjoyed it, and I'm sure you will too. Thank you so much for tuning in, and without further ado, enjoy this podcast with Moshe Gersht. It's a pleasure to have you on the Great Day Podcast. Thanks for making the time. Okay, this is absolutely my pleasure, Mayor. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing pretty swell. Thank God. It's uh, it's a day and we're making today great. Um, it's a really great way to kick off the day was uh, having this conversation with you. Um, it's uh, it's been it's been a long time coming and uh, and I've and I'm, I'm really excited just to be here with you and to discuss some of the incredible. You know, well, your your life story is quite quite amazing, but also. Uh, your your recent book, um, it's all the same to me. is is truly something special, and um, I mean I don't have to say that the world has already accepted it as a bestseller. So uh, you've you've definitely hit on some really capital T truths which I like to talk about. Um, but before we jump into that, um, I found some. I I found just like I was you know doing some deep dive research, something too crazy. You know the internet is, is you know before it's, it's all very accessible, and. Um, I found that it was great to know that you're also a firstborn, as I am myself. And uh, and so when you were talking about that being, you know, that experience, uh, I related to so much you were sharing about, you know, the the obligation or something like we put on ourselves to be like this um, people pleaser style. I wonder if actually most firstborns could relate to this people pleasing um, element, but like, you know, I'm wanting to be an overachiever, wanting to make our, our family uh, happy and, and safe. Um, so those are just like some like, I'm like, yeah, that's me. Yeah, I get that. I get that. I get that. And this is all more of a recent understanding of myself. But here I was just thinking I'm like just a really great guy, but at the what expense? You know what I mean? I totally know what you mean. I think that's really funny. And you're probably right. You know, the more I think I speak about this with my wife a lot about how firstborns, there's like a firstborn syndrome, um, which is why I think, um, you know, in, you know, through the Torah perspective that like we looked at the firstborn as like, okay, well, we, we got to give him a little bit extra, like throw him a bone. Like he had to yeah, go right. through all the hardship of like, you know, being the firstborn and trying to navigate what that means to be in a family. Um so, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think when you look at a lot of people who have kind of been in that position where it's somewhere in between, you know, you're the top of a pack if, if, you're, if there's other kids in the family and, and yet you're still a child. So you're like somewhere in between. It, it's an interesting place to fall. Yeah, truly. I mean, I, I would hope that parents, you know, do like learn their, their way by their second through a child. But I'm, I'm sure every, every single, every single, you know, experience has its own baggage and packaging but uh but uh, do you see that with i mean I, you have your own children do you see that with your own with your eldest i'm afraid she's gonna watch this one day but yeah of course <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, what message you want to show? No, but honestly, like, you're in a it's weird It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> Give yeah. daddy a call more. Um, what, what, well, you're, you're an aware guy. You've done a lot of work on yourself and, and to an extent where you're actually able to teach these deep concepts to others. Yet here you have an oldest daughter um, and, she, and she's going through the, the motions. How, like, so someone perhaps is listening and asking, because honestly, I'm hitting a place in my, own, in my own journey where it's like, I'm doing all this work. What's the point? My kids will still be messed up, you know, in their own way. You know, to, so like you're an aware guy and you're, yet you're here, you, you still can't avoid these, these life lessons that take, or these um, security blankets that, these ch- that children take upon themselves. So what's the point? You know, I mean, like how, how are you able to be a better parent um, to your oldest child who's still going through the stuff that you know about, you have awareness about, but yet they have to go through those things themselves. Wow, man, that's such a good question. I like it because it, it opens up a, a couple doors inside of me as you ask it. And one of them is, I think it was my first child and then the continuation of, of having children after that, that was one of the doors for me to go deeper within myself, meaning they, they were the catalysts there is a point where you think that like, okay, I got it. And I mastered myself to whatever degree you think you kind of you're in your body. And then it's some relationship for some people it's marriage for other people. It's just dating. For me, it was having children that pushed me to a whole new place. It's a really nice way of saying I was losing my mind. It was a real anchor for you. What was, what, what was happening in your life before like at that time before you walked through that door? Yeah, everything was everything was great. I was uh, in deep study. Uh, I was in a new relationship. I think my wife and I were married for about a year, uh, and you know, madly in love and super excited and enjoying life. And and then all of a sudden, this like major world of responsibility shows up in front of you, like on a level that is unparalleled. No matter what job you've ever had or uh, vision you tried to take on is having a child is like a whole nother world and i at least i can speak only for myself i felt uh, a world of responsibility fall on my shoulders very very fast Mm. and i felt myself going through emotional changes and uh kind of felt pushed out of my comfort zone uh tested in ways that i hadn't been tested before the incessant crying And it took me years to figure out in the beginning, I thought that I was uh, sound sensitive. It must be, I would like, must have been too much for me. Um, And the kind of the deeper I went into it, I realized it has nothing to do with the sound, but the fact that the, if another baby is crying, it doesn't do the same thing to me. It's my baby, right? Right. Uh, right? Why, why does my baby drive me to that place? And it's because there's something inside of you that says, you need to fix this. You need to take care of this. This is your responsibility. Um, which has some merit to it, but also isn't true. <laughs> Meaning, mm. and there's there's a it, it opened a lot of doors for me having children, and so it's certainly my first was that for me. And then in terms of the other side of it, so now we're we're talking, you know, many years later uh, from the birth of my children, and now you know a little bit more evolved, a little bit more awake, a little bit more conscious. How do you to to answer your question? Yes. What's the point? Here, here we are. And like now they have to deal with all the same set of things. For me, it's this is this is why this is why we're here. This is why we're doing it, which is, you know, I grew up with uh, a very 
awake and enlightened mother, which is a privilege, a super huge gift. And she would say to me all the time as a kid, I'm doing the best I can. You try to do a little better than me. I'm doing the best I can. You try to do a little better than me. And she, and, and that was like ingrained in us as a kid. On the one hand, it was like, okay, great. So your parents aren't perfect. So this may not work out, you know? <laughs> on the other hand, it was uh, real, real honest truth and authenticity. And I feel the same way with my kids. And uh, I hope that I'm doing one step better and, and hopefully opening them up to a world where they can do a step better than me. And that's what allows the world to move forward, you know, and, and may, and it may not go that way. Maybe not with all of them, maybe not with any of them. Just yeah. trying to have, have fun and be awake and alive in the process. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. For those who are listening, I mean, like we're jumping into like parenting uh, tips to perhaps why not? Like I'm just in a relationship. I didn't have kids myself, but I find it fascinating. You know, I find the fact I just, I'm fascinated by the growth of, of and the, the growth that, we humans can take on upon ourselves and how we can evolve so much. And also how, when we have the courage to step into new circumstances, like new situations, whether it's a new relationship, a new job, stepping into fear, um, having children, how those are just new doorways for us to be able to like level up. Like just when we think we hit a certain like comfort zone or we like know ourselves, man, just explosion of whole new, whole new reality and what, and what is capable and like the mirror of which these people that are circumstances that come into our lives are just really there for us to see ourselves in a deeper level um, in ways that we never experienced that before. Um, when you were, you know, growing up, you, you never necessarily were always religious per se, and you had your own incredible journey. I just want to touch on that to give some context because we're going to be delving into some really great conversation um, around spiritual ideas and, and, and ways of being. But before that, you were in a rock and roll band in Los Angeles. And uh, before having your spiritual awakening, can you just can you give me that to paint me that picture as to like, what drew you to that, you know, to that genre, to that music? What was that life like? And then what brought you to transform yourself into a whole new lifestyle where you're now living in Jerusalem, Yerushalayim, one of the holiest city in the world, living, I would say, the every every aspect of the opposite life that you were investing so much effort and time into. So it's funny, but just on that last point, on the surface, it certainly looks like the exact opposite reality from being on Sunset Boulevard, you know, playing at bars till 2 a.m. or whatever it was, sure. uh, to being a rabbi and spiritual teacher in Jerusalem. Uh, but on the inside, uh, I'm, I've always kind of been driven uh, by this inner compass, uh, like a deep kind of joy and sense of direction, uh, and I, I was I was kind of taught and trained to listen to that very deeply. So on the inside, it's, it kind of feels exactly the same. That was the right thing for me then, and this is the right thing for me now. And I, uh, every day is a new day, and uh, I don't know what tomorrow will bring. Uh, but in terms of that time, man, that was awesome. That was so fun. You know, mm. it's almost almost a decade of what wouldn't draw you to that. You know, I love to sing. I love to write. Um, I love to write songs and record. And uh, so the idea of being able to be a singer of a rock band to go on tour and to play in, from, in front of audiences and to put out albums and to be on the radio and uh, to share creativity and my passion. And, and, and when you're on stage, you really feel that with, with a group. I mean, there's an energetic, synergetic connection. It's like really powerful and it's palpable. So everything about it attracted me to it. Um, and I think to some degree that that is 
it's that same energy that propels me now in, in the world that I'm in, in terms of teaching. It's just a different kind of stage and it's a different kind of message and it's a different kind of medium, but it's the same essence in terms of I want to connect with people and share the creativity that's inside of me. Uh, and then obviously something has to happen to bring you from point A to point B because they're so drastically different. And I just, I had a really powerful awakening experience when I was 20 when I realized that that life with all of the glamour and the, you know, the fun and everything was really fun. It was great. Yeah. Um, I saw that the life that the people who were living 10, 20 years down the line, who took, who chose that lifestyle, um, it was, it didn't look like the life that I wanted to live. It wasn't by and large, right? it wasn't family oriented. Uh, there was a level of, I would say, like uh, some emotional and physical neglect that I saw from people who were in that world for a very, very long time. You know, once you started getting to a decade and decades down the line, what that looks like. Uh, and most of the people that I looked up to, like at the very top of the list, you know, a lot of them suffered with deep and dark depression and deep anxiety and had some form of you know, either a desire to, an attempt of, or actually taking their own life. So in a lot of ways, it almost felt like the the life, like the definition of success for the life that I wanted to live uh, was like, I needed to get to a place where I wanted to kill myself, right? which was like a scary thought. That was like, how could it be? How could it be all the great people that I, I was looking up to were in so much pain? And again, I was a kid at the time, so I, I, I didn't look so much more into it other than, wow, that's not a reality I want to live. And then on the other side, I saw this whole other world of, you know, people who were trying to be spiritually developed and plugged into something more. And they seemed happy and had um, clear family structure and family unit. And there were certain priorities that were so crystal clear to me of, of importance. So it wasn't that when I, when I stopped everything and came to Jerusalem to start learning, and figure things out, I, I don't know if I made the decision saying, that's it, I'm done forever. It was more like, I need to put this on pause and go figure out that there's something else. There's something that I, 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 I'm not fully aware enough yet about, and I have to go figure that out. I got to figure out what my life is. And probably, you know, if I were raised in an Indian home, I'd probably end up in India. And if I was raised in another home, I'd go somewhere else, you know, as a, as a Jew, like for me, like Jerusalem's the place you go when you yeah. try to go figure out what life is about. Mm -hmm. That's where you head out. Wow. That's, that's fascinating. And, um, and also I, I, I want to just say, first of all, I mean, to, to be able to like at 20 to have that awareness, but then also to act in a, that awareness, to have that discipline to say, Hey, this is so much fun, but then to like make that change. I wonder like that, experience of realization and that is that when the spiritual experience happened and if yes how powerful was it can you walk me through that that it it gave a 20 year old to have the you know the the chutzpah to or whatever you know the the to, to the strength to be able to turn back on all this immediate gratification for something in the long term yeah it's funny the, the chutzpah was probably against all the the fun the strength was that i was really connected to these people these were my brothers you know like it's, like, it's almost like we went to war every night when we got on stage and sure. we were in, in, in the practice, you know, rooms every day. And when we're in the studio and working on albums, this was life. These are the people that I spent years and years with. And um, I don't know where that strength came from, but I can tell you that, you know, the two, the two main kind of stories that came up inside of me as you asked the question were one, I 
one of my band members was struggling uh, with a drug addiction at the time, which I was unaware of. And we were all unaware of. And uh, at, after a few months of not really being able to get help, I was asked by everybody else. I, I was the singer songwriter and founder of the band. So I, I had to, I had like the final decision on what happened as things right. took place. And they had asked me, the other band members, as well as the label and my manager, PR, everybody said, I think we need to drop this member and replace this member. And this was somebody mm. I was playing with for nearly seven years. So I said, okay, wait, I just want some perspective before we make a decision. Uh, and it was right before Pesach, right before Passover. So I got up on a flight, went to visit my family who was in Israel. And I took 10 days off to just get perspective and to be away from LA, to be away from the band. During that time, I had a lot of insights and a lot of clarity. And one of them was while I was there, I got the call that we were getting this new big booking agent who was going to try to get us on this tour. There was a, at the time, there was a really big band called Good Charlotte. Don't know how relevant yeah, that was. But, and they, they were really excited for us to be doing a tour with them. And, and at the time, there was a big tour called the Vans Warp Tour. So we were very excited that we were going to try to do something with them. And, and then I got a call that we were going to be on the radio the day that I landed back in LA. We were going to be on K-Rock, which was the big rock station in LA. So I knew that we were about to have a big transition. And my father, who had never mentioned anything, you know, Jewish-wise, there was no, uh, no fundamental judgment from my father for anything that I was doing. He asked me if I had been putting on tefillin at the time, uh, which I wasn't, but I had them. I, just, I, I wasn't wearing them. Um, and, uh, which, and for those who are... Uh, unfamiliar it's you know the you know ritual that a person uh puts they bind uh, a piece of torah uh to their arm to their head and it kind of planted a seed and by the end of that trip um i thought okay well i'm about to go on this like big journey i should do something to ground myself a little bit more uh in my heritage in my judaism as i go forward and so that's what i decided to take on and within seven weeks of that trip and I started looking into more. I, at once I started putting these things on my body, I was like, well, what am I doing? I started buying books and started reading. And then I started praying a little bit. And was, then I started praying more. And like, it was great. I was having these like great, really profound experiences from reading and learning and studying as well as practice and spiritual devotion, things that I was like not doing, though I, I was very spiritual, just not, uh, not connected to any form of uh, religious practice at that point. Mm. And I, I met a, a Chabad rabbi who was amazing and a, a long story, probably too much for this moment uh, about how that relationship evolved. But um, about two months later, he was moving to another area and he said he wanted, he was giving a class and he invited me to this class. It was a five hour class from midnight to 5 a.m. And uh, it was on, Shav on Shavuos. Oh, Shavuos. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Wow, wow. And I was, I said, okay, because I liked him a lot. And I was already very inspired uh, by him and, and what he stood for. And I came. What was his was name? First, um, I don't know. You remember? All right. I don't All know. Right. This was. It's a classic. I, it's the classic Chabad rabbi story where everybody's like touched by this Chabad rabbi, rabbis around the world. No one knows who they are. Menachem Mendel, you know, anonymous. Yeah. But, uh, I have, I have, cool. I have no cool. idea. My, my whole family's Chabad, you know, so it was like, for me, it was, it was so natural. And uh, I, I wasn't very connected at the time, but he was just so warm and so sweet and so good and so alive. And 
uh, I just I wanted to hear whatever he had to say. And, and he gave it was the first time I ever really heard a class on Hasidus. It was a, and it was a five hour class. We would call a mimer. And he went straight for five hours. He didn't close his mouth. It was unbelievable. And my mind was blown to another world. I just I always thought that uh, Torah had value to it. I just didn't see where that value connected to a spiritual source and to a mm. true dynamic level of energy that and it was the first time that I was like overwhelmed by life and by reality and within a day or two of that experience i was walking home and i i had this kind of lightning bolt moment where you see your whole life flash before your eyes and you realize if you go that way it's done and if you go the other way and even if you don't know where it goes you just know that's the right way and in that moment and i said i broke down against this alleyway that i was in i just started crying because it was like i knew it was over I didn't know where I was going, but I knew that I couldn't continue this way forward. And later that week, I, um, I, was, I was waiting for a friend of mine to show up at my house one Friday night, and uh, he never showed up. And my neighbor, who I'd never met before, invited me into their house for a Friday night meal. I didn't even know that they, they did Shabbat or of every right. sort. And they invited me and they saw me sitting there with my door open. And I was kind of sitting at a table waiting for somebody who never showed up. When I walked in there after a, a couple, uh, couple of chimes, a couple of whiskeys together, we, uh, he, we got very friendly. And he said, I see something's bothering you. And I said, you're very perceptive. He said, tell me what's on your mind. And I, I shared with him everything I just told you. And he looked at me and he said, well, do you know what you'd like your life to look like 10 years from now? I said, I think so. I never really thought about it. And then I, but I said, but I guess I would like it to look like, and then I just, I started painting a real picture for him of what some beautiful family life would look like in a spiritually awakened person and somebody who was plugged in and happy and joyous. And I painted some really beautiful picture to him. The more that I spoke, this guy who I met an hour before starts crying. He's just like bawling. I'm like, man, I, I, I know that's a nice picture, but I have no idea like why. And he said, I've had that clarity before and I didn't act on it. He said, and I'm 15 years later and I'm still trying to pick up the pieces. He says, every day that you don't act on a clear vision that you have when it's so clear in front of you, he said, you're adding another white and then black pixel into the screen. And he said, give it just a few weeks for sure. In a few months, the picture is gone. You don't see it. And when you're given that clarity, he said, I don't care what you do, but do something. Take some step, move in the direction of a vision that you see something inside of you that's calling you. And um, that was a, that was like a power. I, and I never really spoke to that person again. It was like one, one and a half maybe, hours that we had together. But it was so clear to him that when you have clarity, you have to do something about it. Um, and I felt guided, you know, felt really guided in, in that moment. And so and things un, eventually unfolded and unraveled in such a way where everybody hates me and I got up and left. <laughs> <laughs> got it. Got it. Got it. So, I mean, this, I feel like there's a lot to uncover there as well, but we, you know, to, to, to jump ahead, but before we do, actually, I, there was something that you said you were brought up into that helped guide you throughout your life, which was to listen to the inner voice, that inner compass. And that's really special and powerful, which I, I think you just like said casually, but I think many people, I know, including myself, is is something that to to uh, to discover that voice, to really get connected to that voice, to be able to, you know, really trust 
that higher self, which I think is really truly the voice of God, so, you know, which is talking through you. Uh, we can hear that, you know, we can talk to God through prayer or hear from him through friends, through, through wise mentors. But I also know there's that inner voice that, that, so you, we said sort of, it was brought up, you were brought up in that way, or something you have easy access to. How is that something that one could find um, a gateway to, to hearing that voice a little bit more clearer, do you think? Mm, that's the best question in the world. <laughs> yeah. because that's what, no, because that question leads to the answer to, to what everybody I think is looking for, which people are looking to reconnect with who they are and why they're here, you know? And it's that, it is that voice that, and sometimes it's a voice and sometimes it's a feeling and sometimes it's a, um, uh, a movement, a sense. It's, it's not something you can really put into words. We call it a voice, but it's kind of, it's more like a knowing, like you sense it and you know that that's the, the way. And uh, I don't think that there's one path, like one size fits all. Uh, but what I know is that what blocks us from that voice is fear. That is the number one, without question, wall to being able to really be in touch with who we are and what's going on beneath the surface is we're afraid either of something physical, whether that's illness or death or a lack of financial well-being um, or something bad is going to happen, uh, whether it's uh, an emotional or mental block because we're afraid of how people are going to perceive us. Um, we have a certain perspective on life that makes us believe that if we don't add up to what somebody else has decided is the right thing to add up to, then, you know, we're not as valuable or as worthy as we're supposed to be. Even that word supposed to be or should, I think the word should is one of those words that basically should be taken out of the dictionary because it's a judgment that's never true because you shouldn't be anything that you other than what you are in the moment, but you could, could is a much better word because could is empowering. You could make a difference. You could change. What would you like to do, right? But that you should be different means right now is not good enough. You're not good enough. Wherever you are is not good enough. And all of those fears, uh, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, mental, that takes you out of that sense of presence of who you are. And when you're not there, there's, there's very, very little access for you to hear that other place inside of you. So the, the way forward is to at least see it. To see, when I say see it, I mean to start seeing the fears, to recognizing that and say like, okay, what are the things that are holding me back? Where are those fears in my life? Am I, am I scared of how people are going to judge me? Am I afraid of how I'm going to judge me? All right? Maybe I'm judgmental, right? It's, I mean, obviously it's, it's, it's a very, very big dynamic, but I, I think if, if we start there, we, we can end up in a place that's very, very powerful for people once we can get over that hump and over that hill. And, and the word fear itself has taken on many guises over you know throughout all of history whether you know in Torah we call it the Yitzhahara or the Anochios or the Yeshos and in uh, modern psychology it's probably closer to the ego and um, you know so many different words we use to call fear but it's when we're so identified with everything other than who we are now yeah like mm -hmm. authentically you authentic presence like who is Mir okay and who are you now even beyond Merke, like who, who is the person who's living in the body that is Mare, right? And you go straight to that and, and then you can see, you can look in and say, oh, well, you know, I feel the fear in my chest or maybe it's a, you know, a sadness in my stomach or it's in my shoulders. And there, there are so many places you can go to start identifying it. And you start becoming conscious of that place. When you can do that, you start creating space 
pretty hear what's there. So I know that that was a lot, like a three minute chunk, but that, that's, that's really the direction that uh, I would venture to go in if we were trying to open up that space for somebody. It's a lot, but it's a lot of transfer. It's, it's a lot to ask for somebody who's on autopilot or uses very specific remedies to feel better about themselves, right? You know, medication to go ahead and, you know, you maybe even go to the extent of asking a friend for help or talking or gossiping about whatever, but like to go ahead and say, Hey, take a minute and to like, you know, try this new age type, which is so old age, right? It's like, it's the genesis of all that is about connecting in our religion, Judaism, but also in the, in, in all different styles of, of connecting to a higher source, slowing down, deep breath meditation, um, but for someone who's listening to this, because I, I think we have a mix of people who are, you know, exploring themselves and, and exploring growth in, in, in through meditation, through awareness of this kind, therapy and whatnot. But for those who are new to this or who, are, who read your book, who are inspired, but want to learn more, how do you get somebody who's on autopilot, who's, who's, who plays, this, you know, what, what they know in the traditional ways of taking care of themselves? How could you ex- give them a little courage or step to try something new and to be able to listen a bit more to themselves. I mean, if I'm understanding your question correctly, the question is if this is really new and hard because I'm so used to doing it a different way, how do I make the step or is it, why do I make the step? I'm, no, I'm, I'm I think the, the why is there. Yeah, the why is there, but it's yeah. how. And you're right. It's 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 the it's the how. It's in and it's the how. Yeah. So I think one of the easiest ways to to at least begin this is to is to write is to actually get a piece of paper, whether it's it's a, in a journal or it's or it's into your phone. I mean, I like using a pen and paper because I I like the feeling of kind of like the the thoughts coming down onto paper, but even just to write, like what, what is going on in my head and in my heart? And just to start, and just to see it, to see it outside of being inside of you, to be able to look at it and say, oh, these are the thoughts that I'm having about my life situation. These are the feelings that I'm having about my life situation. And just, and and look at that and see, okay, this is happening inside of me. It's not that it is me, it's just what's happening in me. You, you aren't your thoughts. And I know that because you're about to have another thought. So if you were your thoughts, so then you die every moment because you have another thought every moment, right? Mm, so right. You, you, must, you must be the thing that's holding all the thoughts in there. You're the thing that can see them all. You're the thing. But right? you, you, say that, you say that in your book, right? You say emotions are real, but they aren't reality. But like a breakup, a death, winning a gold medal. How is it not reality? How is that not, you know, like how, how do you decide, you know, it feels, it feels very real. Right. So how, how do you know? No, no, great question. That's great. Yeah, yeah, no. So emotions are real is the point where we give credence to the fact that when you're feeling it, that's real. You are, you are feeling the high of winning the medal and the low of a tragedy, right? You are feeling that that's real. But 10 people can be having the same experience and have 10 completely different reactions inside. And therefore, the feeling isn't reality. It, it might be your subjective current moment reality right there. That is reality for you. But it doesn't take in the whole picture. 
because and I can I can show you that because 10 people can have very different experiences going through very similar like meaning inner experiences going through similar circumstances some like two people can get ready to go on stage one person is getting excited and all that adrenaline turns into a powerful energetic show and the other person has a panic attack mm. now they're they, and they're they're both and they can both be professionals and they can both be but but your feelings about what's going on in life is real it's so real i mean that's everything we have it's all we have right is the way that we feel and experience life sure. um, but to then say that is reality well it's it's your reality for now in that moment that 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 will be okay with and that will be true but um it's it's not the whole vision and i think really in that piece when i'm speaking about it over there what we're really talking about is the difference between how we judge life as good or bad there's like i see i see some things as good and that makes me feel good and i see some things as bad and that makes me feel bad and then there's this like higher reality where it's not it my, what i think about it doesn't matter it mm. it just it is right so you know if we're looking at it from a more spiritual or religious standpoint we'd say like there's like a god perspective and then there's a human perspective and from a human perspective some things look good and some things look bad but from a higher perspective or a higher consciousness things are as they are right right they it is how it is and if you go all the way in in that isness right is a loving guiding force towards something higher which we can't always see in the moment right sometimes we you know if you will god is saying he's not the, at the end of the sentence there's a comma there you have to wait for the rest of the sentence before you get to a period but if you take it as a period think that's the end of the sentence so then oh man life is bad <laughs> right like the, yeah. this, this that breakup was terrible because i stopped before hearing well is there more is there more to the story right and whenever we yeah. Whenever we start, basically, if we take score too early, we might be in trouble. Right, fair, fair. That's that's a that's a very good way of putting it and and bringing clarity around it because it's so easy to fall into the whirlpool of like, this is what I am, this is how it's going to be forever, and then get lost in the next feeling, the next feeling, and it's like just like grasping and like this like these consistent waves that are coming over you and like and you could truly drown and 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 you do also bring reference to that with like the ocean, right? You have the oceans. There's you know, the waves crashing above and then there's a certain stillness, a stillness in the bottom of the ocean. If you, you know, I, I love scuba diving. And so when I'm sitting on top of the water about to go down, I'm being washed around with all the waves. But once I go under, it gets quiet and still and there's so, so much peace. So how can, I mean, how can we have both and not, you know, let the, like the waves crash over us, but, but they're able to like go into like, you know, the deeper self. Is that, is that through meditation? Is that through prayer? That's, these are the practices that we're talking about, I'm sure. Yeah, and I, and I think you said it right as well, which is that the goal is both. The goal isn't to just be at the bottom of the ocean. It's to also have the bottom. It's to be anchored in the bottom of the ocean. But we love the top. We're in this world for the top, right? What, like we're, we're here to have the the ebb and the flow and the waves. That's what makes life life, right? It, you know, if they're if there weren't breakups, there wouldn't be joy in finding new love, right? If there weren't, um, you know, the, the sadness of a tragedy, there's no high in, in the, in the winning of something great or the accomplishing of something great. And that's, those are really beautiful experiences and to be treasured. And, um, and they're all sacred, you know what I mean? And when something is lost, you know, 
that is just as sacred as something found. It might not mm. feel good, but if you're if you're anchored in the depth of the ocean, which is the depth of yourself, where you've become more mindful, you become more present. You're not thinking so. You're not so much attached to the past and the future. I think that is a, that is a big key for people. So we're so. We love to talk about what happened to us earlier today and yesterday. We love to talk, love to talk about stories that happened to us in the past. That's like a human phenomenon. Just love yeah. it because that makes yeah. us who we are. And we're also, we're, we're, we're thinking about bills that are about to come in and this impending whatever next you know, pandemic or, or a political thing or whatever. We're also worried about the future. So we're, we're always back and forth between let's all, let's just talk about the past or let's just think about the future. Um, in in some sort of anticipated, and, like, and, and I think it's also some sort of sense of control. Yes, you yes. know, we know about the past. We know about the future. I know what I have to do, or what I need to do, or it gives me something to do. But to be present is oof. Sorry, I was cutting you off, but I, I just, no, no. But I think you're absolutely right. I think you're absolutely right. It, it gives us the sense of control and to let go of the past. All there's a part of us that thinks like if we don't if we don't talk about the past, then it then we're not giving it meaning. We need to give it meaning. Otherwise, why did I have to go through that? Or why did that thing have to happen? Um, but that that is an absolute mental construct. I mean, it does does not have to be that way. There's a there, there's a point to the past and there's a point to the future. But all the joy and excitement and inspiration that you're looking for is only ever now. And it doesn't mean not to dream about the future, but it's the fear about the future. That's that's when I say when I say future talk. I mean when we get so caught up in, you know, what's going to be in such a way that it starts to stunt our living in the now, in the present, and uh, in what's happening because we start doing everything to subvert some future reality that doesn't exist, and we start living for this future. And you know, if we if we can't be here and now, then we can't be there and then. Because when that there and then becomes the now, we'll be there and then again. We're always projecting out. So if 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 we can't learn to be here and enjoy this conversation that we're having and and to and to be okay with the mystery, right? Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the next sentence is going to be. Aren't you excited to find out? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Change anxiety to curiosity. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, totally, totally, 100%. I mean, there's, um, well, let me ask you this. Um, you have like this, this, uh, you instilled with me a new way of looking at, you know, there's a fame in, in Judaism, there's this famous line, if not now, when, you know, um, and I always looked at it in the way of, you know, of action, of inspiration, okay. You know, if not, if I'm not going to do this thing now, if I'm not going to take on this challenge now, if I'm not going to make that phone call now or take that trip now, then then when? If I don't challenge my, you know, take that growth now, then when? But you have this angle where it's like it's all about being present. Um, and I I was curious to know if you want to elaborate more on that uh, on that idea. Yeah, I mean, and I love that. And this is from uh, right Pierre Avot um, in Ethics of Our Fathers, where it says, "If not now, when?" So the the simple understanding is, I think, as you're saying it right? Which is, if I don't do it now, so when am I going to do it? So I might as well do it now. Like I got to take action. Um, but kind of like a deeper underlying understanding of those words are, if not now, meaning if, if it's not now, when, when is it? I mean, it, does, it doesn't exist. It's not really when anything's happening. Anything only ever happens now. So when 
this podcast is recorded, it is happening right now. And when someone will be listening to it, they'll be listening to it right now. <laughs> and when, uh, when, you, when you go to sleep tonight, you'll be going to sleep in the right now. It's never, it's never not happening when it's now, which is, you know, at the deepest level, our, our word for God, right, which is spelled um, with the yud hey and the vav hey. Mm. Um, it, it means, right, according to all the, the, the Kabbalah books, all the Kabbalistic farms say, that it means the eternal now. Right, the yud makes it eternal, and then hey of hey means hova means present means now. So, it is it is the, the the continual unfolding of reality now, which which is life. That's when life is happening. So ultimately, past it when it happened, it happened in the now of then. It was now then, um, and it's very philosophical. But uh, that's when it yeah. happened. To, right now, the past is all an illusion. It's just a memory in your brain. It doesn't exist now. It is now just stored up here. And the future is up here. The only thing that's happening is now. And if not now, well, when is it? That's the, that's the mm. And if someone's in the, the, the whirlpool of life, is there a quick tool that they can take on from your experience that can just bring them back to the present? If they're like step, stepping into a social scene and anxiety's popping up or if they're about to, or if they find themselves on a date and like they're losing themselves in the, I don't know, in, 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 the, in the circumstance or uh, other ways to, or they're going on a, you know, they're out with their family, Thanksgiving dinner and they're freaking out. Um, what's a good method or tool to, for someone to be able to remind themselves that all that matters is right now, right here, this present moment? Well, definitely the breath is a very powerful anchor, I think, for everybody. Um, and across all spiritual paths, um, the breath is used as something that can bring a person in. So take, stopping and taking even just two or three deep breaths and like conscious, like I'm aware of the breath coming in, an inhale and then an outhale. Doing that two or three times, that can already do like a world, a world of work for somebody right before they're about to walk into a meeting or a date or something. And they start to feel kind of the tension and the anxiety. And, and the reason for that is because when you're breathing and focusing on the breath is you, you get present. That's what you're, you're now, you're changing your focus to something that's in your body and it's real. And it, it does slow things down a bit. Now it may come back, right? The moment you walk into the meeting, but you're a little bit more grounded, a little bit more present before it comes in. Um, the Ramchal, uh, Ramosha Chaim Lozado in his uh, famous work, Path of the Just, Masil Isharim, uh, he writes that, as we go through life, we always have to be making two kind of sets of accounting, you know, while something's happening and then when it's not happening, meaning what you're describing is when someone's in the moment, what do you do? So there are some tools that people can take with them so that they feel less fear, more love and try to like tap into like maybe a, a better mental space before they walk in. But a lot of the work happens before you get there, right? Which is what, what I would suggest to people and one of the, the things that I, I would I spend my time teaching is uh, getting uh, clear understandings that resonate with you about how life works. And the more you spend time in the world of changing your beliefs, you know, changing the way you see the world, we, a, lot, a lot of the time we have uh, a mindset that was handed to us, you know, by parents, by other adults we were with as children. Um, by society, by our friends, by, I think, um, I don't, I've, I hesitate to say most, but 
maybe, maybe most, definitely a lot of the time, assumptions we made as children and then just carried them with us. So, and those are just assumptions that we made, right, as kids. And we made them for reasons that were the safest reasons at the time. And so we, no one's to blame, right? Yeah. Um, sure. but, there's a, but there's an opportunity to evolve and to grow and to mature. And th- I think that's where it starts is to be open to saying, maybe I don't know everything. What, what other under- understandings are out there um, that I can look into, that I can read about, that I can start shifting with. And for some people, it may be related to trauma. And so there's an incredible amount of therapy modalities that exist today that are extremely powerful and potent and helpful. You know, everything from CBT and DBT to IFS and EMDR and ACT. And there, I mean, there's so much, there's so much in the world of therapy that's extremely helpful, but all of them, it, it, you know, maybe with few exception, um, are really based in becoming present. And, and coming back to self and being able to be the witness of your inner world. That's mm-hmm. where it starts. Like it all starts from, you know, there's a, there's a line in the Talmud that says, if you have awareness, um, what do you lack? If you don't have awareness, what do you have? Mm. Say that one right? more time for. If you have, if you, if you don't, if you have awareness, what do you lack? If you don't have awareness, what do you have? Right. Right. Meaning that's where it all starts. It all starts with, um, just like it starts with awareness and then, and then it, it expands and it grows and it's, uh, and it's wonderful. Yeah. Mm. It's wonderful. And and when you get there, it's like, that's where the love is. Cause we all have it inside of us. There's this, there's a, uh, an ever flowing river of peace and love and joy, which expands into levels of inspiration and enthusiasm and movement and excitement. And when that's there, so then all our action is infused with this, with this deeper wellspring, with this source. And a lot of the time, and for many people, most of the time, we're acting to try to fill some void. Like we, we think that if we go and do this thing, have that relationship, get that job, get that, you know, physical experience, whatever it is, then we'll feel whole. Right. But it, it is, it is all in the world of the illusion because we don't actually feel whole. We're, we're not, we're not, we don't have that yet awareness of who we are. Cause when you have that, and of course that comes in many different ways. And like I said, you can journal, you can do a breathing meditation. You can do mindful meditation. Um, you can sit and learn new ideas about yourself and about life. There's a, there's a lot of different portals to get to this place called presence, to get to this place called uh, self the wholeness of who you are. But when you do get there, that fear that we spoke about in the beginning, it does start to kind of fade away. It starts to like move closer to the background. And I I don't know if these things disappear completely and maybe for like the super enlightened people on the planet, you know, it's gone for more time than not. Uh, But the, the issue isn't about getting the fear in your life to disappear. It's more of getting the self of who you are to show up. And when you can see that more consistently. So when you do have thoughts that are maybe scary or depressing or frustrating or irritating, you realize, okay, and that was just, that's another thought. It's just a thought. Or it's just an emotion. And it's just, and you let it, it's, it's the, it's the, like you said, when you're scuba diving, it's, it's the waves up the top, but you're centered down here. So you can kind of look up and see it's, it's the waves. And that's, and that's good too. And that's good too. Yeah, yeah, and I can't stress enough to people who are listening that it's this this way of being is is takes a lot of work, you know, and like it's and I think that that's like the the you know 
like the paywall, you know, it's, it's, it's not as pop in the pill and which has its own side effects, which we've maybe accepted as society, but like to sit down, to journal, to go ahead and to really step in to see oneself, it takes, it's work, it's inner work, it's, it's inner strength. And it's a, and it's a, it's a muscle like anything else that, that we perhaps in our older stages of life um, are not used to. And so we wanted to sort of waste that and give me the easy way out. But I mean, this stuff really, really works. I mean, talking from experience, I'm now doing some somatic therapy um, and that has been like incredibly uh, powerful, but also the opposite of everything that I've been used to doing. I do a lot of talking and I found myself finding a lot of comfort in talking, 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 talk therapy and whatever that may look like. And it's, it was helpful to, to a certain extent, but then I found myself in this rhythm and pattern where nothing was really changing. And now to, to have to go and like pause what's going on, pause, feel it in my body, sit with it. And my mind is fighting to wanting to go ahead to the next thing and to want to talk about it. And it's like, no, no, feel, feel, feel. I'm not saying again, somatic may not be for everybody. Like you mentioned, you read off a whole bunch of different modalities, but I bring this up just to show, to express that it's, it takes work. It takes effort and time. The payoff is incredible. We unlock a lot deeper selves in ways of being and ourselves and how we can show up in, in the world. Um, and, and um, yeah, it's, it's just, really, but I just wanted to bring that out. Like be gentle with yourself on this path of self-discovery yeah. and, um, and allow yourself to lean on friends and family uh, and to tap into the resources like your book book. It's all the same to me, which really is what's so beautiful about the book as well. It's not like this massive 500 page essay but rather it's such a really easy read that you know you could i bent the tips of the pages that's how i sort of remember what i like multiple like on, on like literally almost every page um because there's so much incredible and i'll just stop read one page and just let that sit for a little bit so i, I really can i highly recommend checking out uh it's it's all the same to me by Moshe Gersh over here because it's really it really is a beautiful book and but for me though I, for those who may be listening it's like what it's all the same to me the word same could be like boring boring I don't want same I want different I want exciting tell me something I don't know um what would you how do you answer that you know like how do you explain I love that. This I, differently I'm I'm so grateful that you asked that question Mayor because it's like for me that's <laughs> no that's like one of I think that's one of the most important questions which is like that's the title. Even when I, I, I tried to shop that title around to all my friends and family and people were like, I don't know, man, that sounds like a book I never want to read. <laughs> and, but you had it right ahead with it anyways. We went, because I think that first of all, because the, the name of the book is based on a, on a teaching of the Baal Shem Tov, who was the founder of the Hasidic movement, who in explaining one of the verses that says, Shiviti Hashem Lenegdi Tamed, I'll place God before me always. The word Shiviti um, comes from the word the same. It is it is the same before me always, and that's how I find godliness. And um, when I say it's all the same to me, what I really mean to, is every everything is really different, right? You'd agree with me that everyone is different, every experience is different, every house is different. A lot of things look the same, but actually, we live in a world that's completely different. Nothing is the same. Like the title couldn't be uh, further from the truth. Mm but it's what's behind everything, right? And so if, when we're talking about sameness, what we mean is, I, I could have called it, you know, the word for, you know, God, we, could, we say God is Hashem, right? So could, I've could, I could have said, it's all the name to me, right? Which is what I would have said, which is, it's all God to me, or it's all godliness to me. 
It's all infinite light to me. It's all opportunity to me. It's all loving to me. It's all uh, working out for me. That's what the same is. The sameness is that there's an underlying intention for reality put into place by a loving creator that wants everybody to enjoy, to evolve, to experience, to develop, to learn. And so when I say it's all the same, what is all the same? All the difference in the world is there as an opportunity for me, is there for, for joy for me, for love for me, for God for me, for soul for me. That, that, is, that is what it's all there. And it's not yeah. just for me, it's for everybody to say that it's all the same for me, which means it's that it, it is that way for everyone. Mm. That's beautiful. You're not alone. Yeah, we're, yeah, I hear that. I hear that. Beautiful. I love that. And I am and I'm I am a fan of the uh of the title and of the book. Um are there any last little things or any um anything you want people to know about yourself before we start wrapping up this podcast? Yeah, no, I mean, look, what what is there to know about me? I don't know. But um, definitely, uh, you know, two things that I would leave people off with is number one, uh, like you said, be gentle with yourself always, because we're, we're all growing, and there's no perfection. And if anybody sold you a bill of rights that said that, you know, there's perfect up there, and like, we all have to be like that one. So that that's not the case. And we we're just doing the best we can with the tools that we have. And no one ever does. We are wired and programmed to do the best we can. Always. We're always trying to make the best decision. So whenever you make a decision, if you feel like it didn't work out, you have to look back and say, well, that was the best I could. That was the best. And I wouldn't have done it differently. That was was what I came to. So to be gentle in the process. Uh, And number two is to stay open. Stay open. Opportunities can show up. When you, where you least expect, when you least expect, that can be the exact door you were looking for. You may have spent 10 years or 10 days, um, but it's that next conversation. It's that next book you pick up. It's that next podcast you listen to. It's that next moment in the gym. Uh, it's, the, it's the next, what, you never know. It, it truly is um, around the corner. And for, for some person, it's going to be right when they get off this podcast. And for somebody else, it, it, you know, it's maybe later. Maybe stay open. Mm. wonderful Moshe how could Pete oh before we jump there what is a great day for Moshe Gersh oh wow I mean this is a great day for Moshe Gersh uh, good to be here with you (laughs) (laughs) talking from yeah talking about presence we just be staying in the present love it love it (laughs) good good answer uh how could people connect with you Moshe uh yeah I mean um all the uh social media profiles so IG Facebook uh LinkedIn um, they can find more material. And uh, I think there's a, you know, a free chapter or two at the website at moshegersh.com. And uh, yeah, love everyone. So whenever they come, I'll be there. Thanks, Moshe. Thank you so much for showing up today and uh, really appreciate all that you're doing. Absolute pleasure. So good to spend some time with you, man. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast episode. Thank you, Moshe, for being a guest. And of course, be sure to check out the book, that Moshe wrote. It's all the same to me. I highly recommend it. And of course, please friends, go ahead now and subscribe to this podcast. Give it a like, a comment as well. It goes a long way, your support. It really does. Reach out to me on social media at Mayor K. I love to hear from you. And like I always say, stay positive, be happy. I'm Mayor K and have a great day.